one night at a cottage evening, it all happened quickly. I had an experience which in an instant changed me from the irreligious to a believer. Hello and welcome back to the Bishop's Office. I've got another conversion story for you today, this time with Mark Russ. I hope you enjoy it. Hi Mark, thanks for catching up. It's uh, great to spend a little bit of time with you and talk about your uh, conversion experience. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Great. Um, well, where should we start? Why don't you, I think I know a little bit about your story. Um, I've heard you talk about, you know, going to a Catholic school and all that sort of thing, but where's the, where's the relevant part, uh, place for us to start in your uh, life to introduce us to your conversion? I think um, the way it started was I, I grew up in a traditional Catholic family and two parents, five kids, and... Um, we were sort of middle class, uh, old school. So you got belted for doing the wrong thing. I got yeah. belted a lot. I went to a Catholic school and uh, that introduced me to a world of violence that I hadn't experienced. It was very hard line. There was a real contradiction though. I, whilst I hated the violence and I really disliked many of the people in charge of me. At the same time, I knew that helping someone in need was the right thing to do. And I, so I lost a belief in God completely and I was either atheist or agnostic. Agnosticism came later. Mm. Uh, but by age 15, it, I, I had no interest. And in fact, I had a, a, a sort of positive disbelief in the existence of God. Where do you think this um, desire to help people came from? I think uh, I watched my parents do things for other people and their siblings who are, of course, my parents were in their mid-40s when I was born. His, my father's parents were then in their late 80s and 70s. They helped people and they were, they were good Catholic people, but mm. they, were, they were still pretty tough. But I learnt the principle that where much is given, much is expected. Mm. And I thought that was right, and I'd been very blessed. I, I recognised that at a young age. And so I thought, well, you should help people. That's a, a given. doesn't matter who they are, what their background is. If they need help, try and assist. So it, I, God stepped out of the equation completely. And uh, when I was a bit older finished school. In fact, I, I, uh, I was helped to leave the school by the school leaders. <laughs> and uh, and that, that only entrenched my view. But then when I was in my late teens, early 20s, and I was traveling in Asia, I saw things that led me to conclude there could be no God. And so I, that was my position. It was entrenched. It was tested. It was put aside. So that, and that's where, that's how I started my 20s. And starting law and going to work full-time. So fast forward, you meet um, Shauna. Is yeah, that so Shauna, she, Shauna worked at the law firm. She was, a, she was a, to me, she was beautiful. She was a, a good lady. She was a virtuous lady and she was deep. Uh, she thought I was shallow, worldly and bad. Mm -hmm. So it was a... Match made in heaven. Match made in heaven, <laughs> absolutely. And... Uh, 
and there were various reasons. We were opposites that were attracted. You know, getting married was wonderful, but it was problematic with her family. Her family were, I thought, very strict Mormons. But there were lots of things under the surface that I really came to respect about them, and I enjoyed their company, but I thought it was old and it was old world and weird. So Shauna comes from a multi-generational... No, her parents joined the church when she was about seven. Okay, but she grew up in the church and um, raised doing family home evenings and all of that sort of stuff. All of that, yeah. So that must have been a little bit of a point of conflict in your family as you started raising kids and things like that, Um, you know, her wanting to have these, I guess, personal and family religious activities in the home then? It was very much so. Before I joined the church, I'd say to her, just leave Sam at home and I'll look after him. Enjoy yourself and I'll see you later. And she was just shocked at the concept. Sometimes I'd go with them and just sit outside in the car and read the paper or read a law book. Uh, Other times I'd go inside. And I did that for actually quite a long time. I'd go regularly and uh, just watch and meet people. But nothing actually shocked me about it. There were no weird, well, it was a pretty normal experience. Well, you had had, you know, some pretty intense experiences associated with religion up until that point. As being introduced to um, our church, were there things that, stood out to you as different or resonated um, with you? Or was it just, you know, this is what we do on a Sunday, I'll read the paper in the foyer or whatever the case may be? I thought that the people were really good. The religious doctrine, to my level of understanding at the time, was not really much different. Hmm. Uh, Some things grew on me and I started to understand it a bit more. But I would listen to talks, uh, the Bishop Peter Jackson So Mm -hmm. Simon's dad was just excellent. He was just a wonderful man. And East End London, tough as bricks, bricklayer, in (laughs) fact. But they taught the the gospel from the Bible. I thought, wow, this is great. Mm -hmm. And the Bible and and the Book of Mormon, which I didn't really know much about, but I'd heard about it. But they taught a concept that stuck with me, and that was that we could be unified as families forever, Mm -hmm. somehow I didn't understand, sealed by God so that a marriage and family relationship could just go on through the eternities. And I thought to myself many times, wow, if if only that were true, could mm. it be true? And I was prepared to continue to listen, but not with, with no real intent on joining. Oddly enough, there was a second issue, and that was the welfare program, uh, where you help people. It was practical, it was charitable, it was loving, and to me, it was right. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll do the, whatever these guys are doing in the Elders Quorum. And we did people's gardens, we did various things. But uh, oh, we, So interesting. So you're yeah. participating in service activities and things like that because of this belief of wanting to help people and, and yeah. all those sorts of things. Yeah. So how long have, have you and Shauna been married at this point? You mentioned Sam. So so Sam was born. The, the, the missionaries came around before he was born, probably about mid-76. I joined in roughly mid-77. So uh, he was then born in the middle of that, and uh, then Shauna was pregnant with Tom. Mm-hmm. So I think I've got my years right. I, I don't think I joined before Tom was born. Okay. So before we jump straight into sort of hearing about the experience of more actively investigating the church. I guess you've described a couple of principles in the gospel that resonated with you. 
you've also described a childhood which was um, pushed you away from God. As you reflect on the time leading up to being prepared to, I guess, investigate the church in a more serious way, were there times that you felt like the Lord was reaching out after you? I was watching the uh, development of Shauna through the pregnancy and just marvelling at it. But the real moment came when he was born. Sam, you mean? So, when Sam was born. And I, it just blew my mind. Not only the process itself, but I knew that my belief, my, my disbelief in a superior being was wrong. I had some new knowledge which I accepted as being true. And so that was quite a starting point for me. So how do you go from being this great non-member guy turning up to um, service projects to investigating the church? Talk to me about that transition. Well, the missionaries just came to the door and I let them in because I thought Shauna had arranged it. (laughs) As it turns out, she said she didn't. Anyway, I let them in and I was immediately challenged that night to baptism. And I thought, no, not interested. And I wasn't interested in religion per se, um, but I had, I'd had that experience with, with Sam's birth. And shortly after that, he was uh, to be given a name and a blessing. And his grandfather, Bishop Trudgeon, was doing that. And I was holding him and he came up to take him. And then Bishop Jackson said, well, Mark can hold the baby. You don't have to take him. And so I was in my worst jeans and worst shirt. And, and But I, my anger, my sort of built up force against what was happening and reaction uh, just melted away. And so when he was given a name and a blessing, I held him. Mm-hmm. And that was another very significant part of the process of being prepared to listen. And I knew that at the time, but I wasn't interested in listening. So, but I continued to listen to discussions and Shauna herself was set a very good example. She was teaching in primary and we seemed to go to church every day of the week at the, in those days. Sometimes I'd be there or sometimes I wouldn't. Uh, and she'd talk about it. We'd have family home evening and some reading of the scriptures and she would get upset at things because I was not a willing student and uh, she just she she grew in strength as a personality trying to deal with me as the recalcitrant child I think Uh, it just continued on for for all those months I had all the missionaries going home sent around to my place to teach me. In those days, there were a lot of, lot of cottage evenings. We'd go to a member's home and we would just have uh, a discussion, to sing some hymns. Um, this was the Smith, particularly Lindsay Smith and uh, his brothers uh, and uh, their brother-in-law, Tommy Hart, and mm. a friend of theirs, Paul Ailes. Now, some of these people are not familiar names now but they were fantastic missionaries in the church. They wanted to spread the gospel and they made themselves and their homes available for that purpose. And these guys weren't much older than me. I was in my early 20s, but Mm. they were probably only in their late 20s to late 30s. And uh, they were a very good bunch. And then we had a number of other members, including the bishopric, who were just uh, friendly and inviting. They never lectured me. They just made me feel comfortable. The missionaries varied from those who wanted to baptise me that day to those that were prepared to allow the process to take time. And uh, 
I've, I've maintained a relationship with one of those missionaries uh, ever since. It's wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. So you go to this cottage evening at the Smith's home then? It was at the Ailes house mm-hmm. in uh, West Lakes. And so missionaries, there'd been a lesson. And then this missionary that I bonded with and one of the sisters, so uh, Elder Cranny and Sister Dalrymple, sang I'm a Child of God, uh, just a cappella. They were both great singers. Mm. And it, it was whilst that was being sung that it all happened. I had an experience which in an instant changed me from the irreligious to a believer. To use those words, I was born again and my eyes were opened to an entirely new perspective. And it was literally the click of a finger. I knew that God was real. Mm. So the, the agnosticism had gone. I knew that Christ was his son. I knew that uh, there was a third member of the Godhead and it wasn't the Trinity that I'd been taught that it was different and that person was communicating with me saying, this is right, this is all true. I knew that Joseph Smith was a prophet. I didn't have any qualms about the young American 14-year-old, that type of criticism, which was quite prevalent at the time, actually. Mm. Uh, I knew that the Book of Mormon was true. And I turned to Shauna and I said, I'll be baptised. She didn't believe me. But it's mm-hmm. that, that moment, feeling the Spirit for the first time, having it wash over me in this warm, inviting, familiar way and so enticing, I just I knew it was true and I said it to her. Mm-hmm. And I was baptised two days later. As you um, describe that, I'm reminded of... Um Joseph Smith's one of Joseph Smith's descriptions of the Holy Ghost and inspiration being like pure knowledge, you know, poured poured into us almost. Um, he sort of yeah. describes it, and I guess that's kind of what you you're talking and, about. And, and that, that pouring in for me was like being washed over. I mm. used that term before. It's like this warm flood of energy and feeling that i'd never experienced before so you have this experience you turn to your wife shauna and you say hey i'm i'm ready to be baptized she doesn't initially believe you what happens from then how does how does she react to it um how does your baptismal day go well she she doesn't believe me and i talked to her on the way home about it i said i i know it's true and i told her the experience again and again and then she started to believe me and accept it we didn't have a phone. We were poor students. And so at midnight, she ran up to the corner where there was a phone box and rang her parents and said that I'd be baptised on the Friday night. And so at seven o'clock, I was there, ready to be baptised. And they all turned up and it was, it was joy that I hadn't experienced in the eyes, looking at them and in the eyes of my wife and in my own eyes, I knew that I was doing something which was right, not for her, although it had a benefit for her, but for all of us, and particularly us as a family, and however many that would have in due course. I mean, she, she was just glowing with uh, her reaction. And of course, immediately, the Sunday, she's, 
I would then be, uh, I think I was already confirmed actually on the Friday night, but she just said, okay, we now pay our tithing. We live the gospel. And I said, well, I can't, we can't afford to pay tithing. And we just had no money at all. And she said, it's got nothing to do with money. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me. And so we paid our tithing and that was it. <laughs> tithing was always paid. I, I love that experience you shared about, um, you know, tithing and it speaks to sort of, um, you know, we make we have an experience. We feel to be baptized. We follow through on that, but we're not we're not all the way there in terms of understanding and necessarily living all the gospel, right? So, can you talk to me a little bit about the transition? I guess of learning and living the gospel. Were there setbacks? Were there difficult times? Were there things that you needed to overcome to feel like you were a hundred percent in? Well. This annoyed Shauna a bit, actually, because I considered, I, and I took literally, that my my wrongdoing, my sins were washed away. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you know, your repentance is pretty ordinary, pretty shallow. And uh, I said, well, it's, that's what happens. I, I accept it literally, but I... I also knew that there would come a time, as, the, as my understanding grew, where I'd reflect more on the things that I had done wrong and I think properly account for them. But I always believed, I still do, that it was a literal forgiveness because I had uh, become a new person. Mm. And I saw it, I had a new approach, a new perspective on life, on the eternities, on God. And I could move on from there. I could rule a line in the sand and say, that's, that's history. I'm now moving forward. And, and that's how I treated it. Actually, as I think about it, um, are you able to share with um, me the experience of being sealed in the temple? You know, when did that happen and how did you prepare for it and what was that experience? So the, the idea of being sealed together was one of those early events that I thought, if, I could, if that were true, I would want to go after it. So once I was baptised, the family started talking about going to the temple. Shauna's father died almost straight away, her brother also, leaving her mother raising two, two remaining sons who were uh, teenagers. And Shauna started talking about, let's, let's go to the temple. And so in August... 78, so I'd been a member about a year and a little bit, uh, we went to the temple. What was interesting, though, is to get there, we had to drive to Melbourne with my sister-in-law and her husband and their child in a little Honda Civic. (laughs) There are are seven of us in this car, plus our luggage. Anyway, we eventually get to Melbourne. We eventually get to... Civic's a five-seater cars, though, right? What's well, a little car? It was a little car. <laughs> so we squashed in. We get to Melbourne. We get to Auckland, and we're also then meet up with Shauna's mother and sister Benalik, uh, Rick's mum, mm-hmm. and we have a like a postal van, and we all climb into that and we drive down to Hamilton, but we couldn't find the temple. By this stage, it's about two a.m. and we. There's one person walking on the street, we ask them. Anyway, we eventually find our way towards uh, uh, Temple View. Mm -hmm. But 
by that stage, I was so tired and so internally cross that I thought to myself, if a helicopter landed next to me and said, I'll take you back home, I would have gotten on it. That's how I, <laughs> I was so, t- I suppose, just tired. But what happened was, as soon as we saw the little knoll in the background in the distance with the temple on it, which was lit up by the moonlight, mm. it all disappeared in a moment. And I knew then the spirit was saying, calm down, all is well, look up there. And we stopped, we got out of the car, and we all just marvelled at this glowing temple, which was probably about, to me, half a kilometre away, and it just was beautiful. And that was fine. And then we, we went and were sealed the next day. Perhaps you could talk to us a little bit about um, how the gospel blessed your life, how you learned to, I guess, identify and follow the promptings of the Spirit. Yes, yeah, so uh, we then commenced as a, new, as a young married couple, uh, me not knowing really much at all, uh, life in the gospel. And so whilst my prior attitude would have been harsh with children, seen and not heard type attitude, I, I learned different ways of doing things. And she, Shauna became a, a student of better parenting and mothering children. So I just adopted that and I was amazed that you could treat children differently than I grew up. Uh, with uh, my parents weren't my father wasn't harsh but my mother was a, a strong disciplinarian so if you did anything wrong you you felt it so uh, it was a whole new ball game and I just f- followed along and learnt we did a parenting course we did lots of courses actually at church which I thought were wonderful on how to be better parents how to run family home evenings and so on the thing that that uh, we did. We did our scripture reading and we had family home evenings. I have to say that I learnt through those family home evenings a lot about the doctrine and the the voice of the Spirit. And then when I started to practice professionally and things were difficult, that I found difficult, I used to pray about it. What is the right way, the right approach to this? And I felt regularly inspired on this is the way you should go forward on this. And so I had tangible experiences where I felt that God was interested enough in me as an individual that he could help me in my work life, which I had never heard of or even considered previously. And how would these feelings come to you? Were they voices? Were they ideas? How, how, how it was did... almost invariably an idea, a thought uh, or a pathway which was not quite, not literally illuminated in front of me, but the little pockets of light that would open your eyes to something else. And so, uh, to give simple examples, I would later, when I was called to positions of responsibility, and time was so precious, but the bishop or the calling so demanding, I I felt that I had these little pathways lit up for me in so many directions or so many ways they weren't confusing they were very clear and I knew how to move forward to achieve everything that had to be done whether it was interviewing somebody or counseling them or giving someone an assignment 
mm. and it just seemed to work well. And adopted, I adopted that, and I found that the voice of the spirit is always accurate. If you follow it, you can trust it, and he is always someone to be trusted. Um, maybe to bring this experience to a close, as you think back on your life, are there sort of key blessings that you feel like you've gained from the gospel? Yes. The, I mean, the first one is, is, is obviously uh, meeting Shauna and being baptised, and then it was some certain callings I found that I could really grow. And uh, I was never so much concerned by the rule book, but concerned about uh, how you could change the life or improve the life of somebody. And to me, they've been key blessings. Not always successful, mind you, but mm. uh, I, I always felt as though we were on the right path and it was up to that individual to try and decide if they would accept this counsel. Some did, some didn't. It is a wonderful process of learning. You never stop. It's only if you choose to stop that the opportunity to grasp more detail and understanding stops. Well, Mark, thank you for taking uh, the opportunity to, to share your experiences with us. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, hearing, particularly about you coming into the gospel. I hadn't heard that, that sort of detail. And um, yeah, it's just been great to get to know you a bit better. Thanks, Bishop. I hope you enjoyed that conversion experience from Mark. Isn't it wonderful to see um, how those friends and leaders were so uh, patient and loving with Mark as he was, um, I guess, not even investigating the church, just around the church. I think we can all learn a lot from that. Anyway, I'll uh, see you next time here on The Bishop's Office.